this is Amy Embody welcoming you back to Life in the Brie. We're continuing our consideration of no fat, no fear, no frenzy. As we homeschoolers, moms, dads, aunties, uncles, grandparents, teachers, all quest for more effectiveness, more fruitfulness in our work at home and in our classrooms as we educate the young image bearers in our care. We're looking to Elizabeth Elliot in large part to guide us with regard to these ideas of simplicity, of fearlessness, of taking each thing in its time without frantic frenzy. And today we are continuing on no fat. Tis a gift to be simple, tis a gift to be free. Last time I referenced this shaker hymn And that is the essence of the message of that song. Tis a gift to be simple. Tis a gift to be free. Great liberty comes when we make room by going down to the most simple and essential things. That requires a kind of humility that is further reflected in the song. As it says, when true simplicity is gained, To bow and to bend, we shan't be ashamed. To turn, turn will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right. I believe that much of the work in Christian education is marred and hindered by a great deal of self-importance. We create complicated curriculum full of requirements, full of goals. And of course, there's nothing wrong. In fact, it's perfectly proper to have goals for your instruction. But think about what the Word of God tells us about the goals of instruction. Is the outcome love? Love for God? Love for His people? Love for His beautiful world and all that is in it? That should be the end result and the goal of our instruction. Well, we know that a lot clutters up the lesson plans, the curriculum we purchase, the minutiae of how we're supposed to deliver this math lesson and that phonics lesson and required skills and knowledge. We, we just were tempted as in our greater cultural context, to stuff, 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 stuff things in, to see how much we can cover. I wonder if it is a better way to think about things, to see what we can uncover, uncovering in a way that is restful, in a way that is stimulating, that isn't forcing or cracking the whip And this requires a kind of humility. I read an excellent article in Public Discourse on February 12th, written by Raymond Hain. And in this article, he quotes Margarita Mooney, who is a professor at Princeton Theological Seminary. She writes this. At times... Our tendency to analyze, measure, and manipulate needs to be foregone. 
in order to return to a childlike, simple state of perceiving reality that opens up to a sacramental way of living, seeing in visible things the invisible grace of God. I want to linger on some of her phrases. She opens with, at times. So does this mean all the time? No, but it also doesn't mean never. At times, our tendency to analyze, measure, and manipulate needs to be foregone. So, yes, there's a time to analyze. There's a time to measure. There's a time to manipulate and engineer and organize things in the education of our children. But evidently, according to Margarita Mooney, and I would agree, there are also times when that bent we have, that tendency, that drive to analyze, measure, and manipulate, need to be foregone, set aside, so that something else can happen. And I would argue that this next thing that she speaks of is the missing thing for our children in our cultural context. I think you will find many, many settings and curricula and programs in which our children are stirred and stimulated and prepped and whipped along to analyze, measure, and manipulate. But sometimes this needs to be set aside so they can do this thing that they seldom get to do in our cultural context. And that is to return to a childlike, simple state of perceiving reality. This is observation. This is a soaking in of the setting in our garden, in the woods, by the stream, in the meadow, on the mountains. Simple state of perceiving reality. And she maintains, and I agree, that that simple state of perceiving reality can open up to a sacramental way of living in which everything is holy, in which everything God has placed before us, every plant, every little insect, every breeze, every drop of water, shows us something of the invisible God who made them. Now, What kind of time do we give our children for this perception of reality, this sacramental way of encountering the world God made? It takes time. And so I would say, if we are going to pursue a simplicity of curriculum, a simplicity of lessons and of school programs, there needs to be built into the structure of our approach and into our lesson plans. Time, solitude, beauty in the natural world, and the cultivating of that focus that allows children to perceive reality. You know, children now are so scattered. The the frenzy of which we'll speak later so contributes to a disorderedness in their minds. 
Many of our children actually live in two homes or three homes where they study in several different settings. And they're never sure, like, where, where was that folder? And what do I do with my books whenever I'm done studying? Um, how do I stay attentive to something over a period of time? Especially during the season when so many children have been required to stare at a screen, at virtual people doing virtual things for up to eight hours a day. They have become diffuse. Their focus has been scattered. They've been trying desperately to find some place in their interior that they can pay attention to. Let the healing begin by getting your children into the outdoors in all weathers and in all kinds of environments to perceive the reality that God surrounds them with and to seek in those visible things, some of the invisible grace of God. More on this next time. This is your friend, Amy Embody, saying goodbye. <laughs>